faithwire.com. Well, hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Today's Thursday, June 10th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros, and coming up on the podcast today, graduation ceremonies have limited capacity while in the same areas, other venues like concerts and sports are allowed to have full capacity. Uh, that's just part of the hypocrisy going on in New York. We'll have the details there. Also, Broadway icon Andrew Lloyd Webber says he's going to violate COVID restrictions if shows aren't reopened at 100%. He's finally ready to take a stand. Um, and we've got a passionate mom going viral as parents continue to rise up against what they're calling indoctrination of our school children. And the mom uh, who regrets abortion speaks out against that valedictorian. Uh, who in Texas, who went viral with her speech. And I ran longer than the music there. Apologies for that. Trey Gons Phillips with me as always <laughs> from faithwire.com. Trey, what's going on? Hey, you know, I am, today is my, I know this is only exciting for me, but yeah. I'm about to go on vacation. So I'm in a, there you go. You know, it's a, it's a good mood. And I'm going to, to Florida uh, and to Disney at the end of next week. So it's, you know, is Disney I, fully the open land now? Of, the land of openness. Yeah. Well, for the most part. Yeah. Um, the only, you, you can, you don't have to wear a mask outside anymore at all uh, at the parks. You just have to wear a mask. Like if you go into a store or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and the CEO of Disney said a couple of weeks ago when they changed their policy, he said, if you've been in Florida at the, you know, peak summer, wearing a mask is not really no. all that fun. No. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I'm excited to be to be in Florida for a little while and where it's like 100% normal life there for the most part. All right, there you go. That's that's great. Uh, looking so, forward to that. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you where it's not 100% uh, normal life yet, <laughs> and that is New York, and that is the subject here in story uh, number one. And uh, as we've got people who want to get vaccinated, they're getting their shots. You got 63% of the population have at least one uh, shot uh, for the for the COVID vaccine, uh, and cases continue to plummet. You know, there was just 13,000 new daily cases across the whole country. Uh, to give you some perspective on that, it just that's just a few dozen to a couple of hundred in most states. You know, some of the bigger states might have a hair more just because of population, but it's not many cases at all. So, I mean, cases are just hitting rock bottom here. As that's going on, uh, you've got thousands gathering for large sporting events in places like the NBA playoffs last night. You had the um, uh, the Phoenix Suns, full house, fans nowhere, not wearing masks. Uh, and a lot of that thanks to Operation Warp Speed and getting that vaccine. So we see those numbers plummeting. Uh, and there's one area, however, where things are not going back to normal, and that is schools, particularly in New York. They're facing all kinds of restrictions, uh, and graduation ceremonies are coming up, and this double standard is just on just blatant display. I mean, you had the Nets had 17,000 people in their stadium packed, and Tottenville High School, they're not allowed to have more than 500 people celebrate uh, their graduation outside on a football field. Can't have more than 500. I'll just give you some perspective how many people. They've got 900 graduating seniors. So you'd think with all the families and everything, it'd be like at least, you know, a couple thousand people there. But they're not allowed to do that, yet 17,000 can go into a packed stadium. 
That doesn't make much sense to the student body president and soon-to-be graduate, Robert Maliar. Uh, he said they're packed elbow to elbow inside stadiums. It's ridiculous. I mean, why would there be a separate law that specifically singles out high school seniors and their parents? It makes no sense. Uh, from from uh, New York One, they reported that state COVID guidance is the reason uh, that these schools are being forced to follow these uh, restrictions and these regulations. Uh, and so now the school was, they have to split this thing up. They were going to split it up into three ceremonies, but now they've been told that they have to do six different ceremonies over two days. And um, the, the student president said that kids are so disappointed. My friends are telling me that they don't even want to go to a graduation that's split into six different ways because it's just, what's the point? Um, it's just another frustrating moment for uh, seniors who haven't been able to attend an in-person class for more than a year. Meanwhile, Governor Cuomo has no problem hobnobbing with famous celebrities for fundraiser, as you can see in these pictures here. No masks, just hanging out uh, with all the famous people like Robert De Niro and Whoopi Goldberg, um, who line up to pledge their support to Cuomo, which is surprising that this is still even happening, considering that, you know, we all know now that he tried to cover up his disastrous uh, nursing home order that led to the deaths of thousands of uh, elderly uh, people. And then he tried to cover it up. And uh, yet people still apparently want to donate to uh, Governor Cuomo. So um, so that's the double standard that's going on there. Well, what's the left saying about this? Well, the left has largely been in favor of sort of the hyper adherence to these government restrictions and, you know, kind of shaming people if they don't wear a mask and, and that sort of thing. While the right uh, has generally advocated for more freedom of choice on things like massive vaccines. It's been the general discourse there oddly split up among mostly partisan lines. Uh, and so why does it matter? Well, it matters, you know, Trey, because, uh, you know, we're ruining major life events here for kids and students all in the name of fear. I mean, there is absolutely no scientific evidence that backs up really any restrictions right now, uh, let alone yeah. against kids who all along have never been high risk of getting it or spreading it. Uh, very low risk yeah. all the way through. Um, this seems completely fear-based, and uh, I feel bad for these kids that are uh, missing out on such great life moments like graduations. For sure. And, you know, looking at these pictures, it kind of uh, reminds me of why people like Rose McGowan, who has been part of, you know, has led the Me Too. She had uh, yeah. allegations against Harvey Weinstein. She's a, a big name in that. Why she's been so nonpartisan recently uh, and has said, like, I, I don't really identify with the left or the right. And I certainly don't identify with these like Hollywood elites uh, anymore because they've shown that all of it is a, is politically motivated because there were credible allegations of harassment and misconduct uh, by Cuomo uh, with different female staffers, young female staffers he had, but still it doesn't for him it doesn't matter because of of his connections, because uh, of celebrities they like him, they feel they want to keep that connection. So people are fine to keep meeting with him and just sweep those under the rug. Uh, not to mention, like you did, Dan, the the mishandling of the of COVID restrictions, yeah. particularly with nursing homes. So it just to me it just the hypocrisy is is so obnoxious and so bothersome. Uh, and I, it makes me understand why people like Rose McGowan is saying, you know, I, 
people may may put me in the the leftist box, but I don't really identify with the left uh, anymore because she said she said on Fox News not that long ago. There's so much hypocrisy among the left uh, in Hollywood for doing stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, where if it was a Republican who had those allegations against him, of course he would have been called to resign and you know all that all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a it's, it's a frustrating uh, double standard for sure. And um, right now, yeah. the, the right now, the students and the kids are the ones who are, are suffering the most. And so hopefully uh, for sure, you know, common sense can rule the day and not fear. And hopefully we can move past this. So, yeah, definitely. Which it, I'll go. We can go into story number two with this, yeah. because I do not understand why places are still closed and dealing with this kind of stuff. The cases are so uh, but, low, so low. Uh, yeah, exactly. But it looks like there's finally uh, some bigger voices uh, who yeah. are standing up against some of that. So here's story number two. Uh, Broadway legend Andrew Lloyd Webber, he's the creator of shows like The Phantom of the Opera, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Coat, uh, and Cats. Uh, he pledged this week to defy COVID restrictions if theaters uh, don't reopen 100%. Uh, so Weber, who lives in London and is vaccinated, he told the Daily Telegraph this week he will open his six local theaters uh, in the UK in two weeks, regardless of any restrictions in place, because keeping them closed, he said, is anti-science. He said he's seen the science and the government is ignoring the data available to them. If officials keep locking, keep things locked down, he said, citizens will have the mother of all legal cases against them uh, or for them. You know, the, the government will have the mother of all legal cases against them. Uh, so the Broadway icon even said that the police can come to the theater and arrest us if they don't lift the restrictions. He said the pandemic lockdowns caused him to have to remortgage his home. Uh, and if theaters stayed locked down, he would have to sell his theaters, too. Uh, he said the government regards theater as a nice thing to have rather than a necessity for people's livelihoods. So what's the left saying? Well, the left is, you know, as we've said many times here on the show, uh, they've been in favor of the more stringent and longer lasting restrictions uh, like the ones on Broadway, both in the UK and in the US. Uh, and what's the right saying? Well, conservatives have been pushing for a return to normalcy for quite a while. In November of last year, Weber even seemed to side with a, a lot of people on the right. Uh, he said that he wanted theaters reopened and for all forms of indoor and music spaces to be reopened, not only in Britain, but all over America, he said, because it's just time. Uh, we, we know what we know now. People are getting vaccinated, and that number increases by thousands every single day. So he said it's just time for things to be reopened because uh, we're ruining people's livelihoods by keeping things closed. So why does it matter? I think Weber is 100% right. And look, if even he's struggling, Dan, if he's having to remortgage his I, house and fearing that he could have to sell his theaters, there's no doubt like regular, everyday people uh, are struggling. Uh, you know, and I don't know, you know, what his financial situation is. Isn't but he that's like a billionaire for isn't, him to say. I was going to say that was going to be my question to you. Isn't he like a billionaire? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't yeah. know billionaires so, had mortgages on homes. What kind of home is this guy buying? I mean, uh, so, I, mean I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So, but uh, obviously, taxes I mean, are pretty high in London. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm not saying like. Like, clearly, I'm sure financially he's going to be fine. But, uh, you know, I'm sure yeah. he has things set up. He's probably got a lot of different properties or whatever. And he's got to, you know, maneuver yeah. them around because of tough financial times. I, I get it. I mean, you don't. But still a billionaire. I thought you might 
pay for some things in cash. I mean, I hope I'm I hope I'm paying for things in right. cash if I ever hit that billionaire status, you know. Uh, but but yeah, it's for sure. uh, but it is interesting to see um, the restrictions fight like it's like you're getting to that point that pendulum swinging back like, OK, like stop it. There's no reason for the restriction right now. Just stop it. Um, yeah. You know, I think you're starting to see that sentiment become uh, it's more obvious now, I think, to people that you don't need to keep doing all this stuff right now, especially ridiculous things like the plexiglass. At restaurants, which I never understood. My wife and I had a good laugh at that every time we'd go out to a restaurant. And there's there's, there's well, a little piece think... of plexiglass at the end of the table. And you're just like, you're like looking up at the waitress and you're just thinking, what's the what, what's the plexiglass there for? What's that going to do? But <laughs> so whatever makes to, people feel I better, I guess. Dinner. I don't know. I went out to dinner with a few friends uh, over the, this past weekend. Uh, we were in Richmond uh, and went to a cheesecake factory, uh, which go. was really nice. Oh, but they have, they've got the plexiglass uh, dividers there too. Uh, and we all kind of agreed that while it's dumb, it is nice because it quiets some of the, like it, it keep, it's not quite as loud in your section. So you can hear each other talk and because uh, a lot Lots of times, of obviously noise. there's okay echoing and loud. So uh, that it kind of helped to, to quiet some of that. But, you know, as far as uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber goes, I think he's doing exactly what everyday people need to do. And it's encouraging to see him doing it because if a name as big as him is going to yeah. stand up and say, uh, you know, in two weeks, if things are not opened and, and you know, the, the restrictions aren't rolled back, I'm just going going for it. I'm going to open my theaters 100%, and you can come after me. So if big names like that uh, start doing it, I think it kind of paves the way and makes it safe, yeah. uh, I guess, for smaller people who are in, in still restricted areas to start saying, oh, well, I'm going to stand up too because, you know, he's doing it. Yeah. Uh, so, But it's crazy to me to think that there are people – in places, and I know there are some cities in the United States, obviously New York City being one of them, where they are still so restricted, uh, is just mind-boggling to me. I mean, it is, it is yeah. June of 2021. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're seeing more and more people get frustrated, uh, including uh, Trey, our next subject of story uh, <laughs> number three. And uh, here is here's the screenshot I was talking about. This is when this mom <laughs> just. Uh, was interrupted in the middle of her impassioned uh, speech here. And so she looks over at the camera like, excuse me? <laughs> uh, and so this mom uh, in Carmel, Carmel New, York, New York, is the latest frustrated parent to push back uh, against the mask mandates and critical race theory and general indoctrination, she says, being taught in schools. Uh, she gave the school board a big dose of reality when they tried to shut her down. You kept hearing them mumbling under their microphone. Uh, let's shut it down. We got to shut it down. And she kept reminding them that as a taxpayer, she has the right to speak and that she paid for that podium and the microphone and everything else up there. Her name is uh, Tatiana Abraham, and she was there to respond to flummoxed school board members who just couldn't understand why parents were not voting to approve the school budget. Um, she spoke for about 11 minutes, despite, as I said, several attempts for them to shut down uh, her, her efforts there. Uh, here is a clip of how uh, she kicked off the speech where she began to get an idea of what she talked about during uh, those 11 minutes. I think the Board of Education and those sitting on the panels are thieves. 
I think they're liars and have committed treason against our children. My message to this district and the members of the Board of Ed, stop indoctrinating our children. Stop teaching our children to hate the police. Stop teaching our children that if they don't agree with the LGBT community, that they're homophobic. You have no idea each child's life. You don't know what their family lifestyle consists of. You don't know the makeup of their, of their life. You have children like mine who is Muslim and I'm Christian and everyone would think they would never believe that of her, right? Because the way she looks, or according to Miss Cyrus, she's too pasty white. So that's just uh, how she kind of began things. And she, uh, she, at that moment, she was actually reprimanded for calling out the name of of one of the people there. And uh, and then she responded by saying, "Why can't we name names? They're out there in public saying these things about us, parents." Uh, so why can't I speak out and say his names? And so she just kept saying the names and naming names and some of the things that these uh, teachers were saying uh, out in public. And um, so her whole speech is worth watching. Um, and I think it's echoing a lot of what people are feeling around the country. And um, we're seeing this uh, as we've covered uh, Trey, many stories of parents who are standing up, including in Loudoun County, Virginia. Several spoke out. Uh, including a former Bill Clinton staffer, which was interesting because she was interviewed. I found this clip uh, of her being interviewed and why she was speaking out. Uh, and here is uh, what she said. My favorite co- quote from my favorite president, Bill Clinton, is um, there's nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed by what is right with America. And that's not a concept that is accepted in the critical race theory circles. It's anti-free speech. It's anti-First Amendment. It, its intention is to shut down debate. You cannot disagree in a reasonable way by saying, I don't think America was founded in racism. I had my own family. And so uh, that, as you hear the other clip starts there, they had a montage of people there. And actually, the woman who gets interviewed in the next uh, clip there from that local news report, uh, her neighbor gives her the middle finger on camera. And uh, she's across the street there seeing her get interviewed and just flips the double bird there uh, on camera. And and the woman being interviewed after being notified that that happened, the cameraman saw it, um, talks about how this has divided the neighbors. They used to be friends. And now, you know, when she has spoken out about critical race theory um suddenly this neighbor you know they don't get along anymore and they, there's all this you know hate and angst and it's happening within families and you're seeing all this division uh and so that was another uh, example of these parents speaking out another video of a man named Corey yeshua who's black went viral when he spoke out against uh, crt in a clip with his young daughter i think on tiktok and um he says that he he teaches uh, to treat people not based on the color of their skin. So uh, he doesn't. So he's that's what he believes in the, the MLK message. So that's why he's against CRT. Uh, so what what is the left saying? Well, the, the left is generally, as we've talked about, Trey, all in on sort of critical race theory. You know, after the George Floyd death, you had people were appalled, kind of unified all around the country about that. Uh, and 
Uh, there's So there was a lot of unity on that issue. But then you had these radical activists sort of trying to suddenly abolish the police came in out of nowhere. And everyone was like, what's that? Well, you know, it started, it's part of these radical policies that are umbrellaed in, in a lot of times in CRT. So in this anti-racism training and things of that nature, and it's, it's really having a divisive effect on the country. And um, the right has generally been critical of CRT since the beginning, calling out a lot of the problematic, problematic areas uh, within this particular worldview and, and, again, how it divides us. So um, why does it matter, Trey? Well, I mean, it matters because, you know, mainly out of fear, corporations and schools, and, you know, we're seeing lots of areas of life being impacted by this anti-racism training, even church as well. Uh, and, um, you know, promoting it as this is the way we need to go. But it's so far appeared to just had a very divisive effect on, on America. Yeah. Well, I've said before that I think one of the silver linings of the, the virtual education uh, push because of COVID is that parents have been really exposed to what it is that their children are, yeah. are learning uh, in the classroom. So I think it's one, it's ended up with a lot of people pulling their kids out of public school and either putting them in private schools right. uh, or homeschooling. Uh, so I think that's a win. Uh, and then I think <laughs> the other one is that parents are more engaged than they have been before uh, if, if they're leaving their kids in public school, which is also right. a win. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the more parents who speak out against this, that's what it's going to take. It's not going to be, you know, people going on Fox news or even going on CNN or whatever and speaking out against it because most people don't even watch cable news. And two people just know that cable news, it's going to be divisive. And yeah. It's just going to be, you know, a back and forth. That's not really going to have any sort of resolution. But if parents are, you know, on the ground at the school board meetings, standing up and saying, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to have my child exposed to this. Eventually, the optimist in me has to think, well, maybe then there will be some course correction, because if enough parent, if there's enough pressure on administrations uh, and school boards, a lot of a lot of them who are elected, uh, if there's enough pressure on them. Uh, maybe they'll change course a little bit. Uh, so it's it's encouraging to see this. Uh, you know, it's it's already having some effect. Like the that uh, the teacher in, in Loudoun County, a PE teacher who's a Christian and spoke out against LGBT policies at the school. Uh, the judge has already reinstated him, saying that banning him or suspending him for his opinion was unconstitutional. Uh, so we're already seeing some of it a little bit. Uh, and I'm hoping that it just keeps yeah. that keeps going. Yeah, uh, because I think that's the way out of this. Yep. Just a win for common sense. I mean, we want to see people less divided and, and not indoctrinated in yeah. school. Stick to the stick to the school stuff, not the rest of this um, extra kind of uh, really kind of like like uh, the one mom talked about there. Uh, this indoctrination and kind of making radicals and, and activists out of people rather than just giving them the education uh, that they need. So, yeah. And I think too, like regarding the, the LGBT stuff, I think the issue a lot of parents have is of course we want our children to learn biology and to learn science. Uh, but sexuality is something that should be, that, that should be left to parents to teach. Yeah. Uh, you know, parents need to teach them their, the worldview that they want their children to have. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, that's, that is up to parents and we don't need, uh, we don't need our educators trying yeah. to, 
to step in and be the moral arbiters of, well, this is the right worldview and this is the wrong worldview because that's just not their place. Like you said, they need to to stick to education, which is exposing kids to, to all kinds of information, but not pushing one one worldview on them. Yeah, indeed. Uh, over the other. So, all right, story number four. So Paxton Smith, she's the Texas valedictorian uh, who made headlines for ditching her planned graduation speech to instead rail against the state's heartbeat bill, a pro-life piece of legislation, uh, sparked a lot of reactions. And one of the most viral responses came from a pro-life activist uh, who took to Facebook to share an open letter she wrote to her two daughters saying that she regrets her own choice to have an abortion many years ago. Uh, So in the letter, Tony McFadden urged her kids not to lionize Smith, who's received a lot of accolades uh, in the media and on social media uh, for her pro-abortion speech. And although Smith might might have the ability to string together emotionally driven words, her message is not founded in truth. Uh, McFadden wrote, she went on to recall being Smith's age when she was pregnant herself for the first time and ended up having an abortion, which, like I said, she went on to later regret. Uh, McFadden said that she believed the lie that ending the life of my unborn child would would restore my dreams, my goals, and my aspirations. She went on to write, after consuming poisonous pills to end the life of my baby, your sibling, she's speaking to her daughters that is not what happened nothing was restored it was all a lie the regret settled in but i quickly pushed it down to survive she then argued that true strength is in keeping the baby not having an abortion she wrote that what makes you a powerful woman is unapologetically being who god created you to be it's standing in truth even when the world is trying to convince you to live in lies so really powerful message from tony mcfadden uh, what's the left saying? Well, the left has trumpeted the your body, your choice, and shout your abortion narratives for years now, uh, which is a far cry from the safe, legal, and rare message that Bill Clinton presented in the in the 90s. We're, we're definitely, the ship has sailed on that. Uh, what's the right saying? Well, conservatives are obviously on the pro-life side of this debate. Uh, Smith's speech, which was impromptu, she actually had another written speech that had already been approved Uh, And without telling the principal or the school administrators, she completely threw that out once she got up to the podium uh, and went off on this this pro-abortion speech. Uh, It was in response to Texas Governor Greg Abbott's decision to sign a bill that bans abortion after a fetal heartbeat is detected, which usually comes about six weeks uh, into a pregnancy, often before a mother even knows uh, she's pregnant. So why does it matter? Dan, we've talked about this before, about taking the like the positive, uh, going the positive route instead yeah. of the the divisive route. So I'm really impressed with McFadden's comments because she's dwelling yeah. on on the good stuff, uh, which is what I think those of us who are in the pro life camp need to be doing, because there are situations I cannot imagine being in, really difficult and even some tragic situations. Uh, and it does show unbelievable strength when a woman or a girl chooses to carry a baby to term under those circumstances and then chooses either to keep the child or give it up for adoption. Uh, but the way that McFadden ended her letter by saying she hopes that Smith will someday take her gift of intelligence and use it to protect life uh, and not promote death. And then, like I said earlier, that she said that it shows strength to keep a child uh, just she has I think she has the right take on this issue. Yeah. And I mean, we highlighted Laura Klassen's uh, new video, yeah. um, you know, that kind of showed and portrayed a woman t- taking 
the the pregnancy all the way to birth, um, even if they're going to give that child up for adoption, um, it, as a heroic move. And and look, and also as something that is, uh, you know, uh, doable, right? And, and I think the the oh. lie that that culture paints is that well, this is going to destroy your life. You know, you you getting a you know, and she said this in her speech, like yeah, but instead of a vitriolic sort of response, like you know, name calling or whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, present the other side of that. No, no, actually, women are more than capable. Young women, uh, if they, you know, if this happens to them, uh, you know, based on choices that they make, uh, they're more than capable of carrying that baby to term. There's actually no re real reason uh, that they need to, you know, that that carrying that baby is going to ruin their life. It, it's absolutely not. Yeah. And quite the contrary. I mean, I think I don't think I've ever seen someone who was considering abortion that ended up having the child ever say, man, that was a terrible mistake. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Not once um, where, you know, where they 99.99 times out of a thousand, you know, or a hundred or whatever the case may be, 99.99% <laughs> trying to yeah. a high percentage of, of women, I think would, they see their child. And even if they give that child up for adoption, will be very glad that they did what they did right and i think though and then conversely as this mom expressed you're gonna live with that regret if you go the other route yeah and that's the thing that i think is important to highlight if you want to have the conversation uh, about abortion particularly when I, I know it gets a little bit more tricky sometimes for some people when you're talking about in cases of rape or you know incest whatever i think you can make the obviously the reasoned argument that that child had nothing to do with with what happened that wasn't their fault uh, so taking their life is is a moral wrong i i completely can concede the the merit for that argument but i think if you're going to have that debate and maybe somebody who's well-intentioned is on the other side uh, of that debate at least acknowledging uh, that, like you said, uh, there's a lot of, of negative that goes in with abortion. A lot of these people and these young women end up with depression or they end up with a lot of anxiety or, or feelings of regret like McFadden talked about. So it's not just this rosy, uh, you know, get the abortion and then it's over and you never have to deal with it again. Uh, there's emotional turmoil and psychological turmoil that goes with choosing an abortion, even in those extreme cases. And I think if we're going to have the conversation, people on the pro-abortion side need to at least be willing to acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, say, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pain that comes with choosing abortion, too, because unless both sides are honest about it. I don't know how we're going to yeah. uh, reach reach resolution is, you know, we just need to be honest about uh, what abortion is. And that's taking the life of a child. Yeah. And, and yeah. then morally, I don't know how you can, as a believer, I don't know how morally you can. Right. Once you, uh, you know, agree with that, once you recognize that, I don't know how you can stay on the on the pro-abortion well, side. Yeah. And I think that's why the, the a lot of the conversation has to stick to that and that life begins at conception, because that's when I think some of those other arguments, uh, like, uh, for example, you know, in the case of rape, um, which is obviously a horrible circumstance. But um, when your basis is talking about why you should or shouldn't get an abortion, and it's based on how you're going to feel here and why you're going to feel there. Uh, well, then, then, then you're kind of taking out that life component of the thing, which is kind of yeah. The main point, the main reason why we, you don't want to end end it because it's a life and you're ending a yeah. life, even though it's at the earliest stages of human development. So um, 
And, and even in those situations, I mean, I remember the uh, those women, I forget what the name of the woman was, but those kids that were kind of held in that guy's basement in Ohio and he would impregnate them. Um, mm -hmm. And um, they said that those children were the only thing that got them through because they actually had the babies there in like the basement where they were held captive, essentially. Um, and so even in that horrible situation, um, the beauty of life is still beautiful, even, uh, you know, despite the circumstances and, um, you know, the, the horrible circumstances. And, you know, the reality is the reality is having an abortion. There's just not going to make that situation go away like that doesn't that doesn't erase the fact that you were assaulted and you were violated. That doesn't erase that. That just compounds the error and then, you know, uh, punishes someone who was kind of an innocent bystander in all of this. So, uh, yeah, but yeah. but definitely a complicated issue. And, um, uh, uh, you know, we'd be wise to, you know, be thoughtful in our approach. And I think in this particular story, as, as you mentioned, that I think she was. So all good yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. I just... I, 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 like, I can't say enough how much I appreciated the, the direction she went because, uh, like we've both said, it does, it takes a great deal of strength, uh, to choose life. Uh, but I, you know, always think that is the right decision. Yep. Amen to that. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for today's episode. Um, we will be back, uh, on Monday. Well, I'll be back on Monday. Actually, I'll, I'll probably do one tomorrow as well, but I will not have my wingman here, Trey, heading out on a vacation. So uh, be sure to follow the podcast over on iTunes, on YouTube, the 4 and 3 podcast. And uh, head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for news from a Christian perspective. God bless. We'll see you. We'll see you next time.